For the record, when Mike asked what I've been preaching on, Joseph Andre did say Hebrews. Okay, so that was the right answer, buddy. Uh, speaking of Hebrews, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? I'm going to finish uh, chapter 11 this morning together. And um, it's on page 12, uh, 1284 if you're using one of our Bibles. And kids, if you're looking for a word of the day to track, it's going to be faith. So let's uh, hear now God's holy true and life-giving word from Hebrews 11, verses 32 through 40. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, Stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made Perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your word through your spirit and most importantly and most clearly through the person and work of your son. And so we thank you and we praise you and we ask now Holy Spirit, would you help us to learn? Uh, would you help us to come to know our God more and fill our hearts with love and trust for our God? Uh, would you help us to see the majesty and glory of the Lord Jesus in this passage? And Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us and give us more faith? that we might continue to follow hard after our Lord Jesus and continue to seek to make disciples of our neighbors and of the nations. Uh, it's for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Tim Keller's got a pretty good book on suffering. It's called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And one of the things that he talks about in that book is that the best time to study uh, how to walk with God through difficulties is when you're not going through something really tough. And um, I want to just say a couple things as we begin, because we will talk about w- what I think God would have us think about and focus on uh, when we're going through difficult things uh, from this passage. But I, 
I don't want to skip over the fact that I know that some of you are going through something really, really difficult right now. And uh, I hope that then the Lord will comfort you and give you uh, grace and strength uh, to face what it, whatever it is you're going through. And then for those of us who may not be in something tremendously difficult right now, that we would remember these things for when we do. Because, you know, we live in a broken world and there's just no way that any of us has it easy for very long at all, uh, but definitely not the whole time. And so we, we all have these different struggles and different um, trials that we face. And, and, and some of them, some of you are in it right now. I know that because I know many of you and I also uh, receive the prayer uh, requests that we get. And, and I know um, how hard it is for some of you right now. Uh, and, you know, we've been talking about especially in the last few weeks, we've been talking about what it means to live by faith. And um, we've been looking at different aspects of that because that's that's what we're called to in, in putting our faith in Christ. It's not something that we do and then our lives are the same forever, but rather uh, we our lives change because we begin to live a life of faith. We live by faith. That's what we're called to. And probably the hardest, when it's hardest to live by faith is when we are going through something very difficult. Because we don't know why it would happen. We don't know why God would let uh, those things happen to us. And so what are we supposed to do? How do we continue to live by faith during uh, the hard times? And that's one of the reasons I love this passage so much is the author really gives us uh, a, sort of a framework or a way to uh, view what we're going through in light of some possible outcomes that God is leading us to. And so it's, it can be so powerful because it gives us something to think about and something to focus on, a way to live by faith as we face very difficult things. See, we forget how much the world conditions us and our fallen nature conditions us to see hardship and then doubt God or get frustrated with God. And when we're called to live by faith, though, uh, it's... It's, we're choosing to trust him. We're choosing to believe that he's with us, that there's a reason for these things. We're choosing to believe that in the long run, we will somehow still end up praising him forever. And so as we conclude this chapter on living by faith, I think we have this powerful, powerful uh, way to look at whatever it is we're going through. If we're in something really difficult now or the next time we're in something very difficult, uh, I really think that this the author gives us Three possible outcomes that we should begin to imagine. Uh, you know, if living by faith, which the author tells us in chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, then living by faith is very much trusting that things we can't see yet will happen. And so if we're, if, if we're living by faith, then it does require some imagination you know, sanctified imagination, but we're, we're, we're free to imagine that God might be doing something uh, in and through this struggle. And what we see in this passage is we see stories of three different outcomes, so to speak, that happened in the face of great trials in the lives of God's people in the Old Testament. Uh, first, we'll see that some of the people, uh, God empowered them to accomplish great things. 
And so you and I should be free to imagine that maybe God, through this difficult struggle that we're facing, is empowering us to accomplish something great. Then we'll see there's a list of people uh, who seem to escape from something tragic. And so that gives us reason to imagine that whatever it is we're facing, through it God is about to empower us to escape uh, something tragic. And third, we'll see that there's some people who God empowered to just endure something terrible. And so, it's good for us to be imagining, seeing with the eyes of faith, us enduring through something terrible by the power of God. So, so let's, let's imagine together, shall we? As we think about the things that we're facing, what, what possible outcome might God be leading us to for His glory and for our joy? And, and here's the sweet thing, like any of these, if God empowers you in this trial to accomplish something great, you will wind up praising Him, right? And if He empowers you to escape something tragic, maybe even at the last minute, you will end up praising Him. And if He empowers you to endure through something terrible, even to the end of your life, At some point, you wind up praising him. So it all leads to the same end result, that we worship him. So let's talk about accomplishing something great. Look at verses 32 through the first part of 34. And what the author is doing now is, number one, he's saying he doesn't have time to talk about this in detail. Okay, he's not the first preacher to run out of time. Um, But here's what he's saying. He's saying that, uh, you know, as you look back at the Old Testament and read all this stuff in detail, here's kind of summary of what some of the things, some of the people experienced. And what we see is that throughout redemptive history, God has empowered some of his people to face very difficult things, but then accomplish great things through those trials. Look at verse 32. He says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire. And so here's here's this first list of things that took place, things that happened to people who trusted God, who lived by faith. And some of them he empowered to accomplish really great things. Conquering kingdoms, enforcing justice. In fact, that uh, phrase enforced justice, you can also translate that. They established righteousness. Meaning they had a profoundly positive impact on the society around them. They were able to help make some things right that had been wronged. And that doesn't mean it was easy. But it means that we have a history of our people, the people of God, through tremendous difficulty being empowered to accomplish great things. And maybe that gives us reason, not maybe, I think that gives us reason for us to imagine what God might be empowering you to accomplish. Because that may be the outcome uh, of your situation. And maybe it could be something personally, it could be something in your family. Uh, maybe it's something globally. Think about 
William Wilberforce. Last week we mentioned uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. And think about William Wilberforce. You know that name? You've probably seen that movie that, he, that was about him, Amazing Grace. And, uh, William Wilberforce uh, joined the political scene in 1780 in England. And then in 1785, he became a Christian. And two years after walking with the Lord, he was approached in 1787 by uh, a number of people who were activists with the anti-slave trade movement in England. And he saw that there was would be tremendous challenges and difficulties uh, if he tried to do something about this, but he felt God calling him to work towards that, and, and he did. He began to work towards the ending of slavery and the ending of the slave trade, and he ended up becoming uh, one of the, the people leading the campaign to abolish slavery in England, and after 20 years... After 20 years of working to this end with other people as well, the uh, Slave Trade Act of 1807 was passed in England, which made it illegal to trade slaves. And then finally in 1833, uh, the Slavery Abolition Act uh, was put into force so that you, it was illegal to have slaves uh, in England. And, and that, of course, was part of what inspired uh, things to take place the way they did in America and uh, other places in the world where there is no such thing as slavery anymore. Now, there still is slavery all around the world. But there are many parts of the world where it has been abolished, uh, largely because of the efforts of God's people to establish righteousness, to enforce justice. So we have to remember that whether it's something personally or maybe something in our marriage and family or maybe it's something in our neighborhood or maybe it's something global, it's good and right for us to imagine that whatever these challenges we're facing, uh, that God may be using them, they may be a part of how God is empowering us to accomplish something great. I mean, after all, we're following Jesus, right? We, we do what he did except for the things that he did that we can't do. And in his greatest accomplishment, right? The cross in which he pays for our sins and reconciles us to God. So that through faith we can have peace with God. Like we talked about in our assurance of pardon today. So we're following somebody who has accomplished the greatest of all things by faith. Our salvation. And so as we follow him, it's good and right for us to imagine that God might be empowering us to accomplish something great through this struggle. That's one possible outcome. The second possible outcome would be that God may be empowering us to escape something tragic. It may be that you are days or months away from a beautiful rescue from your God, which gives you so much hope to hang in there and continue to live by faith, to trust him and obey him, to trust him and obey him. Let's talk about escaping something tragic. Look at verse 34, the second part of it. So reaching back to the first verse, through faith, still applied to these people now. So through faith, these, they escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. See that? So then you've got this list of people who loved God and were seeking to live by faith, yet faced these tremendous challenges. However, by faith they escaped. They became strong when they needed to. They put foreign armies to flight instead of being 
destroyed by them. And so here, there, there it is. You've got this, this picture of our God is a God who can and does deliver people from great tragedy. He may be, in your case, whatever you're going through, he may be empowering you to escape something tragic as you seek to trust him and obey him. I'll give you a, a real example of a family that I know well but um, doesn't go to this church. Not long ago, it was um, discovered that in this family, the, um, the husband was wrestling with alcoholism. Um, it had grown worse and worse and worse to the point where uh, he was drinking vodka out of a water bottle all day at work. And this began to impact his whole family. As you would imagine, it began to impact their marriage. Uh, things were getting very, very difficult. There was you know, some refusal to admit um, and even some refusal to maybe acknowledge that there was a real problem on, on both sides in this couple's life and um, kind of hit came to a head when um, the wife was driving down the street with her, one of her children and the child pointed and said, is that dad? And the child had pointed to a man stumbling down the street, totally inebriated in the, just the middle of the street. And this wife said, no, that's not dad. And she began to pray, please don't let that be dad. But it was. And they pulled up and opened the door and he got in. And and at that moment, this person, this woman, this wife is thinking, this is it. This is, everything is over now. Our lives are completely destroyed. But by the grace of God, uh, she was very much encouraged by family and friends to, to live by faith and to trust God through this and know that he could turn this around very quickly if he wants to. He has the power to do that. In essence, she was told she was, you know, to, to imagine that God might be empowering you guys to escape this. And by the grace of God, this husband realized that he needed to do something drastic. He checked himself into a treatment center and he went faithfully and it began to work and their marriage began to heal and the kids began to be happier and pretty soon he is fully sober and she has her husband back and she has her family back. And now today, if you ask them, what they would say is that we've been delivered, we've been rescued. God empowered us to escape tragedy, even if at the last second, And they're praising him. And that's, that's, we have a God that does that. We have a God that can and does deliver people. He may be whatever it is you're facing. It it could change in a heartbeat. He can do anything. And we are free and even, I think, responsible to imagine the power of God and imagine that if he wants to, if it's his will, he can change that situation. In a fraction of a second, he can empower you to escape something tragic. So hang on, hold on, continue to trust him, continue to obey him, and let the, his ability to change things in a heartbeat give you that hope. Okay. 
So maybe he's empowering you to accomplish something great. Maybe he's going to empower you to escape something tragic any day now. Or third, we have to see that he may be empowering you to endure something terrible, to endure this terrible thing. Look at verse 36 through 38. And what you see is that here is a list, not by name, but of people who loved God, trusted God, were living by faith. Okay, this is still all under the banner of through faith. And they suffered. Uh, 36, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. Uh, They were killed. With the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So here the author of Hebrews is saying that in God's mysterious providence, there there really are people who love him and trust him and are seeking to live by faith that do face incredible and terrible things. But I think his message is that he's, he's saying that, that, that they, they endured through these things. That God was powerful enough to help them endure even to the point of their death. Torture, prison, stoning, execution, homelessness, mistreatment. And here's what's interesting about this. Like a lot of us probably would say, I can't really relate to some of those things. Uh, and in, in one way, we, we could say that the people he was originally writing to probably couldn't relate to some of those things as well, because while we saw in Hebrews chapter 10 that they definitely had gone through some difficult things, um, there's other parts we see in, the, in, in Hebrews that would lead us to believe that they hadn't yet gone through some of these terrible, terrible things. And so some of the commentators say he's probably trying to show them that God has empowered people to endure through things worse than they're going through. And they, and they endured through it. As if to say then, if God can endure people, if God can empower people to endure the greatest of suffering, mocking, flogging, imprisonment, then, then he can empower you to endure through whatever it is you're facing. And I think that, you know, it's interesting because in Hebrews 10, he does mention that they had seen other people that they know are believers go through some difficult things and they uh, presumably endured through it. And so I think what that does is not only shows us that not only do we need the scriptures to show us that God does empower people to endure terrible, terrible things, um, but he also shows that to us in the church, in our Life with other believers right now. Like we, we see in the scriptures that God empowers people to uh, suffer through in, incredible things. And then we see it live through our fellowship with one another. This is why it's so huge to be uh, part of a church. And this is why we say it's so important for, be, uh, for, important for people to be involved in life groups. Because when you're in a life group, inevitably in this church uh, and in any church, you're going to be around people who are enduring. You're going to see live proof that God empowers people to endure very difficult things. We may not be facing some of the persecution that the uh, people were facing back here, 
back in this time, but we are facing difficult things. We have plenty of people who are actively enduring. We have people who God is empowering to endure cancer and its treatments. We have people who are enduring the grief of the, uh, the loss of their spouse. We have people who are enduring chronic pain, chronic migraine headaches. We have people who are enduring the challenge of having a wayward child or joblessness or uh, people who are just really longing to be married, but God hasn't provided that yet. You see them enduring through them, through these things. You see people in this church enduring through the pain of the loss of a child. You see it live. And so we need the word of God and then we need to see it lived out as well because then when it is our turn to endure, if that is God's will. We, we, we have all this assurance that he does this. He does this. He really does empower people to endure. He empowers people to continue to trust him and obey him, even when they're going through the most difficult thing of their life. And you can see that they feel empowered to do it. You see, because if you're like me, when, when things uh, get rough... You know, I kind of, my first thought is usually I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't, I cannot survive this. And that's true on my own. I could not survive anything difficult, but through faith, I can't. You know what's, you know what's interesting? Um, in, there was an article in National Geographic and it was talking about the limitations of humanity. And it said something that was uh, st- uh, surprising to me. Uh, it said that, that um, one of the limitations of humanity is that human beings can only go without air for two to three minutes. And I was like, I can't hold my breath for 25 seconds. I don't know, you know, if you can hold your breath for two minutes or three minutes, that's impressive. Okay, good for you. Um, but think about this. Here's what they said. They said, on average, um, human beings can only hold their breath for about... Uh, two to three minutes. However, they said that with training and practice, a human being can hold his or her breath for 11 minutes. Okay. You want to try? <laughs> yeah, you don't believe it, right? I mean, you might say, yeah, I could probably squeak out two minutes if I had to. Uh, but the, the concept of you being able to go without air for 11 minutes is probably very foreign to you. But it, the, the proof is in the pudding. There are people that can do it. If you wanted to learn how to do it, you can learn how to do it. Now listen to me. Everything in our fallenness says when things go wrong, you can't endure this. You can't endure this for two days. You can't endure this for two weeks. You can't endure this for two decades. You can't make it. You can't do this for the rest of your life. But God says, God says, God says that he will empower us to endure. If it is not his will that we accomplish something great through the struggle or that we escape a tragedy, we know he will empower us to endure, to go without, to suffer. 
that he will empower us to endure. We know that from his word. And it's why we sing. It's why we sing songs that remind us that he's with us and that we can go without the, the, the pleasures of life or the, the good things in life or the, 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 the comfort that we long for. We can go without anything as long as we have our God because he will empower us to endure Think about, you know, one of my favorite hymns, we're going to sing it in a little bit. You don't have to show the slides this time. Uh, I want to, listen, to me, listen to me say these words to you, and then we'll sing them together in just a few moments. But here, in, in, in the, one of my favorite hymns is How Firm a Foundation. And in it, the, the writer reminds us that God has laid this firm foundation for our faith in what he has said to us in his word. And so that we can cling to those things by faith and then know that he will empower us to endure. If it is his will that he doesn't deliver us from this thing or bring a great accomplishment for us through it. Listen to these words. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. What has he said to you, beloved? This is right out of Isaiah 43. He says, fear not. Now you listen, you get that big challenge, the the suffering, the trial right in square in front of you now. And you look at it and you hear these words. Fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed for I am your God and will still give you aid. I'll strengthen you, help you and cause you to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call you to go. The rivers of grief shall not overflow, for I will be with you, your troubles to bless, and sanctify to you your deepest distress. When through fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace, all sufficient, shall be your supply. The flame shall not hurt you, I only design your dross to consume and your gold to refine. My favorite verse, the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell, shall endeavor to shake. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. That's how we face these things. We look them square in the face and we believe that God may actually be empowering me to accomplish something great here. He may empower me to escape something tragic. He may empower me to endure through this thing. As I live by faith, as I seek to trust him and obey him, to trust him and obey him, realizing and remembering the whole time that the, the, the greatest things that God has for us are still yet to come for all of us. Look at verse 39 and 40. He says, all these, so all these people who went through these things, all these, through, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect or whole or complete. So there's still, there's still for everyone, there's still more to come when Christ returns and makes all things new and, and sets up his kingdom and establishes righteousness everywhere. Look at your bulletin. I just realized this again. Look at your bulletin. I don't have one. Somebody, somebody give me a bulletin. Uh, remember, what did we say? We, 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 when we asked what else did God create, it says God created all things by his powerful word and all his creation was very good. Everything flourished under his loving rule. Which is what's going to happen, right? When Christ returns, thank you, brother. When Christ returns, he establishes God's full rule over all things and everything flourishes. 
We're made whole. We're made complete. And God's rule expands to the ends of the earth. And everyone and everything who trusted God in their life, who lived by faith, will flourish beyond our wildest dreams. You see, these all, these all find their way back to the cross, right? I mean, Jesus has made the greatest accomplishment in paying for our sins. So as we follow him, we can imagine we might accomplish something great. Jesus, by dying on the cross for our sins, is the only reason we can escape the greatest of tragedies. You and I spending eternity in hell justly suffering for our sins, but we escape that by receiving what Jesus has done through faith. And Jesus endured the wrath of God, the greatest suffering beyond anybody's wildest imaginations. And by faith, we're united to him. So we are united to someone who endured the greatest of all suffering. And so the the one who endured the greatest of all suffering is in us. He's in you by faith. To empower you to either accomplish something, escape something, or endure. The one who endured the cross lives inside of you to empower you to endure the real but much less terrible crosses and losses of this life. And so would you, even in your pain, would you imagine? Just imagine. Some great accomplishment, some great escape. Or some beautiful, Christ-honoring, God-glorifying endurance. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you that you would show us in your word that your people have the freedom maybe even the responsibility to imagine what you might do. Knowing that no matter what, you will fulfill all your promises. We will have all the things we can't yet see. And we owe it all to the King of Kings, the one who has accomplished our salvation so that we might escape the wrath of God And he did it by enduring the greatest suffering imaginable and unimaginable. So let us keep our eyes fixed on him, no matter what we're going through, and empower us by your spirit to live by faith for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.